Welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable, a running podcast where we shake out and purposely go off track on any and everything related to our favorite hobby. Get ready to get uncomfortable along with our guests, because growth only happens outside of your comfort zone. Here are your hosts, Ines Babea, Jamie Chen, and Nathan Schiller. Hello, I'm Nathan Schiller. Hola, I'm Ines Babea. Hi, I'm Jamie Chen, and welcome to Let's Get Uncomfortable. Our guests today are Eric Blevins and Raymond Hales, founders of Resident Runners, along with Rosan Rogers. Resident Runners has been cementing their place in urban running since 2013, from Thursday night runs to taco runs, and also throwing what I hear is the best New York City Marathon after party. Oh yeah, the parties are epic, and you never know who the guest performer is going to be. Like that one surprise one year from Jadakiss for post-marathon. Oh yeah, I remember those parties. Well, Jamie, we'll get into all of that, but before we do, let's get on with the sports legacy. So on December 20th, 1964, a guy from England named Ron Hill began the world's longest streak of consecutive days running at least one mile over 52 years. Uh, Hill was actually an Olympian and held the Boston Marathon course record at one point, as well as other world records and shorter road distances. But maybe his most impressive feats are the times that he ran the day after he broke his sternum or had bunion surgery. Anyway, I chose him for Sports Legacy because Resident Runners is known for, among tacos and margaritas, running every single day in July. Eric and Raymond, can you guys talk about why you do that and what it means? Sure. Um, thanks for having us on. And um, yeah, this is great timing considering we're in the middle of July, which is the hottest month. Um, we basically started doing 31 days of running, as we creatively call it, uh, back in 2013. And you know what? I don't even think I remember the actual moment when Ray and I came up with it. I think it was Ray's idea. Um, and we just were like, let's do it. Let's, let's see what happens. We've never done anything like that. And then over the years, it's developed into this just kind of ritual of kind of honing in on discipline, consistency, and seeing what happens when you run 31 days. I think it's different for every person who participates. Yeah, um, this is Ray, uh, Raymond. Um, just like Eric said, I think it became very much so about discipline and holding ourselves accountable uh, when it comes to running. I know that when we first started, it was, you know, me being, uh, me having to wake up because I saw that Eric ran and I'm like, dang it, uh, I committed to this and, you know, I gotta, I gotta stick with it. So, you know, I think it's about holding each other accountable. And then over the years, uh, as people started to join us, um, they started to love the fact that they could be a part of something that encouraged their lifestyle, um, not only in a physical manner, but mentally manner as well. So I think, it, it just became something that was every July, you, you get up, it's the hottest month and middle of the summer, and we just gotta, gotta make it happen at the end of the day. So if we can go back a little bit and talk about your origin story. What was the idea behind founding Resident Runners back in 2013? Like why did you need, did you want to run with other people? Um, I remember this moment pretty well because I'd started my own individual running journey like 2008 2009 I did like five half marathons ran the New York City marathon 
And I had no idea that there was anything other than just sort of like running on your own. Um, and then I came across Bridge Runners. Um, I saw some videos they'd done. A friend of mine knew somebody who ran with them and I thought it was the coolest shit I'd ever seen. I was like, Ray, we should go check this out. And Ray's response, I think, was, oh, that looks really dope. Why don't we start our own thing? And again, I, I don't think I ever would have come up with that. So it was Ray's idea to like, hey, let's do it ourselves. Nobody, nobody's running this night of the week. Nobody runs in this area of the city. Let's put something together and, you know, get it started. And, and it was really as simple as that in the early days. Yeah, same thing. I think that, well, he keeps saying that it was Ray's idea, Ray's idea. But uh, specifically, I think the reason why we started is because, you know, we all had regular jobs, right? And when you're living in New York and you're a runner, everybody has like a second hustle or a second job. Um, so I think it was trying to get to a lot of these runs, bridge runner runs, run uptown, we run uptown, Orchard Street, it was very hard. So, you know, just doing something with my best friend felt the most organic and normal thing to do. Um, I mean, you have, you have to understand, like, when we met, it was just really two guys going back to like we went back to eric's house and we would mess around with dj equipment um have a couple of drinks on the weekend and then you know that be that and all of a sudden you know i realized that this man is just moved to new york running marathons I'm like okay this is aggressive uh all right let's let, <laughs> let me get into it with him so one thing led to another uh over over a beer in the in the music studio one day we were just like oh let's let's get a run in and i I'll never forget it was a rainy it was rainy as hell we ran from yeah. third we ran from 29th and broadway up to like 87 82nd street and back down and then we just said let's just start doing this running thing on every thursday and here we yeah. are now so one thing that is really interesting about your runs is your structure. You don't have pacers or really run as a group, like in a pack necessarily. Um, can you talk about that and, and why you decided to do it? Yeah. Um, I think it just naturally evolved that way. Like, like I said, when we started resident runners, we didn't really have a set plan. We were looking at other crews and kind of taking pieces of what we liked pieces of what we didn't like. Uh, we, we also saw things that other groups did really, really well and thought they do a great job at it. So maybe we don't need to do it that way. Uh, you know, it was already there. Um, and, you know, when we started our runs, it was usually three, four five people. It wasn't a big group. So a lot of times it would even be just me, Ray, and maybe Rasan. So we just ran the way we like to run, which is sort of we, we're not talking. We're not really engaging you just run and you see how it feels. And I think with the three of us, it felt great because there was that natural chemistry where if somebody's feeling good and they push the pace, you follow. You don't need to talk about it. You don't need to say, let's go. It just kind of happens. And so I think as more people started joining, we let that, that natural evolution of the run just continue. And it became a thing where we, we let everybody know ahead of time, like, hey, here's the route. This is what we're going to do run a tempo run, run as fast as you can, chase the person in front of you. And that might be a six minute pace or that might be a 10 minute pace. It doesn't matter. The, the, the speed isn't really what matters. It's just put forth that effort and see what you get out of it. 
um, and try not to get lost because we're not waiting. So, you know, you know the starting point and the end point, it's the same place. So if you get lost, just meet us back there and then we'll buy you a beer, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think uh, in New York, it's, it's so amazing because all these running groups, they have their own way of doing things, right? And I think we never wanted to do the same thing as another running group because that takes away the individual um, aspect to, you know, having a running crew and, and, and owning a running crew. Like, I don't want to, you know, Orchard Street Runners, when you go to Orchard Street Runners, you know that, okay, cool, they run fast. No doubt about that. Um, Bridge Runners, it's a bunch of people there. You get a, it's a community. You get a chance to meet new people from all over the world. Uh, so we didn't want to take anything from them and us not having pace groups and you know you just exploring new york on your own we'll tell you the route but if you get lost it's cool you get lost but you know where to meet back up at and we're not gonna be gone when you come back we're gonna yeah. hang out we're gonna grab a drink uh together um we're gonna share some stories and that's one thing that kind of separated us from a lot of the other running crews and i think that's what makes new york running so amazing everybody's different you know everybody yeah. there's nobody the same i also remember like with those two examples in particular th those are two very different groups right and orchard street runners at that time i think had like different pace groups kind of it was like you had like a fast a medium and a slow and, and sort of that style and then bridge runners didn't have pace groups and we we didn't want to do both of those kinds of things simply because we didn't want the responsibility that each of those things need you know if you're if you're doing pace groups you got to have a pacer they got to be able to run a certain time you got to keep people crowding together and we didn't want to do that and then on the other end of the spectrum you've got these massive runs with bridge runners that's amazing we also didn't want the responsibility of having to be accountable for that many people and keep everyone together and also juggle all of those you know different desires and personalities and and things that can happen when you get that many people together so i think it was also and this continues today like what are we as a a crew willing to take on from a responsibility standpoint is, is important to us as well we want to deliver on what we we say we're going to so we don't want to over promise i think which is why we never say who's going to be performing at the after party <laughs> that is like the, the best kept secret of the whole year um but i wanted to say like raymond i'm glad that um eric didn't blame you for the pacer part and you guys just running your own thing because he did blame you for july and he also blamed you for like creating the group so i'm glad that he's um your best friend is not letting you know okay i, I can take some of the weight as well listen i'll throw him in the no, listen, too. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll definitely throw me under the bus because he knows that I don't understand pace. I just run. <laughs> There'll be times <laughs> when there used to be times when when we would run together like all the time. There'll be times when he's like, "Ray, slow the hell down! Like, what are we doing? Why, yeah, why are you going so fast? Like, Ray, you, if you if you want to <laughs> run, if you want to like, I feel like Ray's opposite. So if you want to run a seven minute pace, tell him to pace a ten minute pace, and he's gonna put you somewhere around seven, like. <laughs> okay so all right so now we know if you want to run a what did you say like a seven minute pace raymond be in the charge of a 10 minute pace all right yeah, so, yeah. and you'll, you'll end up around seven six forty five you know uh, and then we will say but did you die and i'll probably say <laughs> yes 
I mean, I can attest. I, one thing I really liked about Resident Runners, I think, is the out and back. Um, there's some run crews where they'll just have like a, a start point and then have end points somewhere different. Mm -hmm. So I feel like those are intimidating because if you're not as fast as the people in the front, you kind of get lost and you really get lost and then you don't know like where the end point is and you just feel really discouraged. And what I liked about the house, you know, we would start together yeah. and I did, I used to review the, the, the map that you guys would send. <laughs> and if it's like, say six miles that day, and I know that I don't run as fast as you guys, I would say, okay, I'll go. But my stop, my halfway point is going to be a little bit shorter because I know that right. we're all going to end up at the same place so that instead of six, I'll do five because we'll kind of like be a few minutes apart. That way I could still join for drinks or I could just chill and, you know, I don't feel like I'm being left behind. So that was kind yeah. of one thing that I appreciated from you guys so that anybody who felt that the guys were too fast can still come. Everybody's still going to wait up. You know, you have your way to just map the course, you know, where you start, you know, where you end and your stuff is there and there's water waiting for you. Right. But let's talk about the last run I just did with you guys. We're coming off your first taco run of 2021. I called it the reunion special. It was great to see everybody again. But where did Taco Run come from? And, you know, you guys always meet at Guero's. Why that particular place? Uh, Taco Run, we were talking about this at Taco Run yesterday. Because, yeah, like you said, it's been, like, I think 16 months that we haven't had one. And prior to that, I think we'd had one Taco Run every month for, I don't know, like six years or something like that. Um, and I was, I was looking back at some pictures. It started one December for my birthday. And we wanted to do like a run themed around what Ray and I always used to do, which is do our long run on Saturday or Sunday and then go to Guero's and like get tacos and margaritas. That was our thing. That's what we did. So for my birthday, we were like, let's get a bunch of people to come together and do it. And after that first one, which I think was in like a snowstorm, Prospect Park was iced over. We tried to go on the inside loop. People were busting their ass. Like it was, it was a disaster. And so after that, moment we were like hey we should do this every month and we'll stick to the outside of the park just for safety's reasons um and it just became a thing I, I think it was like ray i don't know if you remember like the evolution of those early days but i think it was just so fun it was so amazing because the running scene in new york at that time there weren't quite as many groups so it was a little easier to kind of get people from every you know corner of new york city to come out for one thing like that um so it's just always been this sort of melting pot of like different runners from different groups coming to taco run. Um, and it's always been sort of like my favorite, favorite time to just see everybody. Um, yeah. yeah it, a long time. Yeah, it, it was, it was very organic at the beginning and it also offered something that, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a serious, right. You know, a lot of times within the running community, we tend to take, uh, take things very, very serious, um, our running and goals that we have to make. But when you come to the taco run, it was always about, man, just, you know, just hang, just chill. Like, you yeah. you know what I'm saying? We don't have to talk about like what your time was and for the New York City Marathon. We don't have to talk about, uh, you know, what's your next race. It ain't about that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And because that's how Eric and I started and you know, we, we didn't even, we didn't, like I said before, we didn't talk about 
running. It was just about hanging. And, and that's, that's what felt good. And that's how taco runs have always continued to be. Yeah. And that's why it was so special yesterday, seeing all you guys and, and seeing people who we haven't seen in forever um, change, go through this change that we all have to go through. And I do remember, I remember that like we became somewhat known for just kind of running these fast paced Thursday night runs where everybody just hauls ass. And we, we understood that for some people that was a little intimidating, even though we didn't necessarily want it to be. And so eventually taco runs did become kind of our offering of like, don't worry about pace. Don't worry about distance for taco run. We are going to wait for you. You know, we stopped like four or five times along the route. It, it was kind of an effort, I think, for us to show that we like running in that style too. We want to have that same energy. So taco run just became a more casual monthly thing that we did without any worry of like, am I going to get left? Do I need to run a six minute pace or anything like that? None of that mattered. Why did you decide to take Taco Run to other cities like NOLA, DC, and, and stays like Texas? Ray, you wanna you wanna jump in on this one? Um so I'll I'll let you I'll let you slide in on that one real quick, but I do have a couple of things to say on top of that. I'm just I'm in the middle okay. of cha changing the little one. Ah, I thought yeah. I heard Elliot. Hi Elliot. <laughs> say <So>, hey bud. <laughs> well no, you um, be shy. <laughs> The, uh, the Taco Run tour started, you know, I think as a way for us to sort of bridge what we were doing with resident runners, which was like a, a very, Taco Runs are, it's not complicated, it's a very uh, straightforward thing. And then we'd started working with Under Armour, and I think that became a really cool way for us to collaborate with Under Armour, to do something bigger, to go to key cities where, you know, there was an Under Armour presence. Um, and then also along the way over the, all these years, we've met so many people from different cities um, that it just seemed like a fun idea to bring what we do here, which if you think about it, it's just three of us, right? Like we are the community in New York. Like if, if no one came to run with us, it would just be me, Ray and Rasan. And that'd be great for us. But again, we really are aware that our, our kind of success and what we are is every person who chooses to come run with us at a taco run or a Thursday. And so I think we wanted to take that transplant it into New Orleans, for example, and let the 504th crew show us how they would do a taco run. Because again, the three of us went and we got to essentially meet and share stories and relate with, you know, hundreds of people in New Orleans that we never would have gotten to meet and share that with um, if it weren't for tacos, margaritas, and, and some running, which is pretty cool. Yeah. To add to that, I think um, a lot of the running crews that we connected with over the taco run when we traveled over there, they were brand new running crews as well. And they were very, they were like, oh, how did you guys get started? And, you know, we want to do the same thing that you guys are doing in, in, in our cities. Um, and for example, New Orleans, those guys are like, they showed us the ultimate hospitality. And that, and that is exactly, you know, how our, running crew is it's all about you know the hospitality you come and run with us you come and hang with us and it goes beyond surface level conversations uh i also remember that there was like a big um for cherry blossom i want to say like maybe three years ago there was a big uh group of like everybody came down a lot of people were that were sponsored by ua were also there so what is that relationship relationship like with people from 
different cities that are still under the UA family. Um, shout out to District Running Collective. Yeah, shout out to them. <laughs> yeah, the, that is that is family for sure. Like just in terms of another running crew that we've always bonded with, outside of the fact that we both are under like the Under Armour umbrella in that sense. Um, we love District Running Collective. We love what they do. It's a very different kind of group compared to a resident runners. You know, it's a different style. Um, but we've always meshed really well. And when we get together, it's um, it's the best time ever. Like, I, I love everyone under that crew. Um, can't wait to see DRC again. And I mean, from a, like, from a working together perspective, we've always just kind of rolled with it. Like, if we go down to, to DC, obviously that's DRC territory and they, they control how things operate. And again, we like to run in different styles. We like to, to kind of jump in and see how people do it. So we just follow suit whenever we're, we're down in DC. Um, and then we always try to coax them up to hit a taco run or just come hang out for a weekend. So nothing but, but love with them. Yeah. I think Under Armour has done a um, great job of, of just bringing the crew together and allowing us to just be ourselves. Um, I'm not sure if, if, if we already talked about it, but like we Under Armour, we were the first running crew that Under Armour bought on. And then I guess, in, in, in a way it was like modeled, not necessarily modeled after us, but the, the organic style or, or way of how they went out to, you know, bring on other crews, that was their MO, right? So that's the reason why we all kind of get along and we all have the same synergy. Um, so I gotta, we, I, you know, I have to really thank Under Armour for like taking a chance and just being open um, for that. And a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, it, Under Armour is a 20, I think they're only like 21 years old. Um, and then their running division had just opened or just started 2013. So for them to really put a lot of energy behind the New York running crew scene and want to get into a market that was, you know, almost saturated, they really did take a chance, but um, allowed us to be ourselves and yeah, continue that, that to do the same thing day by day. I think they were, Under Armour is a great partner for us because their, their understanding of, of the ebbs and flows of resident runners in terms of how we operate. So we've, we've been able to maintain our approach without having to necessarily change our format to get more numbers or to, to generate something different. Um, so I think from the flexibility standpoint, from the support we get, um, it's been amazing. And what we do and the support we get from, from Under Armour is very different than like a group like District Running Collective. So they definitely are able to, to give you a different strategy for each group, which is nice. Well, when you guys started, you were first affiliated with Nike, is that right? So Not technically. When we first started, we didn't have like any... Um, any brand affiliation. Like I was definitely, I think running in Brooks, wearing some Nike shorts and probably like an Adidas singlet. I, I don't know. I had like everything, you know? Um, and then w we started working with Nike when they did the Montauk project. Um, Knox Robinson hit us up like, Hey, we need to get you a Montauk project. And we were super psyched. Um, did that whole thing. That was when Nike was investing a lot um, on kind of the ground level into the New York city running community, which was amazing. Um, that was our affiliation and it was never a formal one. Like we didn't have a contract per se or anything like that. At that time, it was just, everybody was going to these cool events in New York and, and having a blast. Um, 
and we were we were riding that train as well. And I think, in fairness, I think that that involvement and then just the consistency of of what we were doing on a weekly basis is what enabled Under Armour to find us and just see um, see us as a potential you know partnership. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, so, I mean, you had the thought of maybe Nike, but then Under Armour approached you, and it just seemed like you stuck with Under Armour, and just wondering why you've stayed with them. Yeah, but, you know, you've mentioned that already, that, you know, they've offered a lot of support, so. Yeah. Um, I mean. Yeah, it, you know, it's been a lot of support, not not just monetary, but, like, the most important is allowing us to just continue to be us. You know, a lot of times you work with a, there are a lot of brands that want to just here, here's money, here's clothes, here's this, here's that. We actually get a chance to, you know, connect with the designers. Like we, you know, whenever the designers are in town, yeah. they'll call us up. Let's go for a run. I don't know a lot of brands that, that can do that or that allow their designers, their internal teams to be able to do that. And when that happens, these designers they'll come out and they'll just say hey let's get a run in um i bought some tester shoes for you you want to try them on you don't have to but if you want to we'd love for you to check them out just like that nobody's they're not they're never forcing you to do anything and i mean for me personally that's what i love about the brand um yeah and that was that was a big part of the beginning too like when we were discussing should we start working with under armor again, they'd only been making shoes for a couple of years. And so I, I remember we, we were all in Barbados, which is, has a, a connection to my wife's family. Um, we were all down in Barbados, me, Ray, Rasan, you know, um, and we got an email that basically just said like, Hey, this is Under Armour and we're interested in a partnership. Like let's schedule a call. And we were like, what's this about? When we finally got on a call, it was really, it was way more than just a straightforward, like Ray said, here's some gear, here's some, some money. It was, we're developing a running line and we want, you know, people who are on the ground to understand the culture and who can give us good feedback, you know, not only from a community standpoint, but also from a product standpoint, you know, they needed people to test shoes. They needed real feedback on what worked, what didn't, what looks good, what doesn't. And we were excited about that. You know, we had the opportunity to work with a company, a massive company at the start of their running division. And we've, we've literally seen changes we suggest, designs that we pushed for implemented in their gear. And I don't know, that's just been really rewarding to kind of be a part of that progression, which if you have been with them as long as we have, the strides and leaps and bounds in terms of quality, in terms of footwear, in terms of gear and apparel, it's massive. Like what we wear today, I'm a hundred percent satisfied in terms of running. When we started, we were like, eh, these shoes, I don't know. Like, you know, it only been two years they were making them. So to see that growth and to actually be able to say like, I contributed to that, um, that's been really rewarding for sure. Well, now I guess if I ever wear a pair of Under Armour shoes, I know that uh, Eric and Ray had a touch in it. So yeah. <laughs> I, be, it's like, I'm. it's as if, it's as if I'm running in your shoes. Yes. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> you can think of us with every step. Every step of the way. <laughs> Resident Runners doesn't have like the official membership. And right. I think you've got, you've been asked this question, you know, like, so I just probably wanted to ask you, why is that? Since I know that you three guys make up the core of Resident Runners and there are consistent runner friends who do participate in your schedule of runs. 
I, I'm so it's not like a formalized institution. Can you help clarify that? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I have a deck from like the first year we started resident runners. That was, I think it's called like new member deck and it's got like dues and like the gear that they'll get when they join and like responsibility, you know, it's really like, please, well please send that to me, Eric. I, <laughs> no. I that is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I have like this whole, this whole like outline of like, if we were to become a crew with, you know, like memberships or something. And, uh, it just didn't happen. Like when, when Rasan literally showed up at my doorstep, this was when it, resident runners was just me and Ray. And then a few people who came and started running with us and Rasan showed up at my doorstep for a taco run. Like, Hey, what's up? I don't know anybody. I'm just here. Like I saw you on Instagram. Um, he started running with us week after week. And he is the reason that we ended up deciding to only be three people. Like when he came in, the energy was so good. He kind of just, was a missing piece of this puzzle that enabled us to go, you know what, we're going to just keep this to three people. Like we're not going to expand it. It's going to be three dudes. Um, it was a brotherhood. It felt like a deep friendship and we wanted to keep it that way and then expand it by naturally letting anybody who kind of vibe with that energy come in and, and join us. Um, it's, I'd say like I regularly kind of mull over this, this desire to like expand in the sense of we love, we love our regulars, like our family that runs with us. These are friends outside of running. It's not all about running. And we, we hear the requests, like, can we get a shirt? Can we get a little bit? And we're like, uh, you know, we've, we've come close. And then we're like, no, nah, you know, we're just, it's just not our thing. We're not going to do it. And, and I think that's been really cool because to see people still rocking out with us after five, six years and um, for us to not be, I think, delivering even as something as simple as like a singlet with a logo on it um i think it's it speaks highly about the bond that we all have and why we're why we're friends and still running together this long i have that marathon yeah. shirt that one do, marathon yeah shirt. there you go you do get shirts for the marathon for sure we like it like we said we, we want to do something um we just decided to keep it keep it strict like that yeah yeah i think the fact that <laughs> he so he made a deck it it just it's like shows how far we come like i don't think that i think the fact that he made a deck it's like why why did why did we even do that if we knew that we were gonna this is who we are we're not we, we didn't don't know for, we, we don't force anything point. right yeah. right but but i will say this eric definitely would get on me and probably still to this day because there are times when i have this these moments but he'll get on me because i am the type of person where I have all these crazy ideas and like, yeah, we need to do this design and create X, Y, and Z so that we can have more of a presence in the running community. And then he's like, let's just, let's just tone it down. You know, for a fact, you or, and I neither have the time to do that. <laughs> so. <laughs> and yeah, we, we that, wanted it to be simple. We, we didn't, we yeah. didn't want to have to do um x y and z we wanted it to be straightforward and simple because that's who we are like we like the three right. of us all we wanted to do was get together and run and have some drinks but anything right. beyond that just felt a little unnecessary for us um so that was the that was the model it was like hey we're gonna run we're gonna have some drinks we're gonna hang out if that's yeah. not appealing to you that's okay like that's cool but if it is then come join us it's really that simple so have you ever had any like um instances where people say, Hey, why are you guys so exclusive like this? I respect, you know, the brotherhood. I, I feel it, but 
why why can't we get a singlet like yeah has anyone confronted you or you know tried to try to sway you in that direction yeah you know what to be honest not like not that aggressively like we get jokes we you know the homies are like hey when am gonna get my shirt you know um i think josh from rue crew is still waiting for like one of our oh we got some nike singlets with our logo on, on ice we'll maybe sell those as nfts or something um you know like we've <laughs> we've gotten questions about it but never really like any major pressure just kind of like emails will come in like hey where can we buy your gear and we're like ah oh, sorry we don't we don't sell any of it like no big deal um so yeah it's actually been been pretty chill to keep it that way actually it's the statement that you just made that um really made me reflect on the fact that yeah yeah i've been consistently you know i've shown up for your runs and i do like the fact that you know it equalizes, I think, because if you're not creating like this exclusive membership, you don't make other people feel excluded or that they had to be in, in on the know or something right. in order to be a part of you so that you kind of make it really democratic and open to all so that it's always been a consistent message that resident runners, the core group is you three guys, you know, Rasan, Eric and Ray. But hey, everybody could just jump in and out whenever you feel like it. So I right. do have to attest to that, that yes, you do create an inc inclusivity feeling rather than the exclusivity that sometimes I think people can feel from not being an in on the in yeah. with groups. I'm glad that comes across because like you said, we don't view it as being exclusive. Like, you know, we really don't. It's, yeah, it's three of us and we feel it is inclusive. It's just a different structure, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't change the dynamic or the, there's no barriers to coming in and running with resident runners other than you won't get a shirt with a logo on it necessarily. And again, our whole mantra has always been like, if, if you're here for the gear or you you're here for something other than what you're going to get out of running with us or, or these friendships that you're going to form, then this probably isn't the right crew for you. You know, if you're here simply to have experiences and meet people and run, have a good time, you can rock out with us for sure. I can definitely relate to that as well. Like I'm anytime I get even a medal from a race, you know, mm -hmm. just a standard one or like a age, I just like, I don't even take it. I'm not interested in it. I'm just interested in the running and the, and the friendship that comes out of it in the, the sure. moments to bond with friends and meet new people through running. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's one of those things where it, it's not wrong to not like, identify with that kind of concept like i think you and i are on the same page nathan but if you don't and you you do want something more want something different that's what's beautiful particularly about new york city's running community is you can find it like there are plenty of other groups that offer something different that's equally great in its own right you just got to find it and then you know that can be sort of who you rock out with i'm glad that we shifted a little bit to talk about like access and inclusivity because the the theme that people always talk about in running is that like it's open to everyone, but mm -hmm. we have seen that access to like spaces and like even product and even, you know, representation is not the same across the board. So knowing that you, the three of you have um, athletic backgrounds. I know Eric, you mentioned that you, you play soccer, uh, Raymond, you said like you ran in high school and Rasan also ran in high school. Uh, what did you see growing up? that now you're maybe given the time that we're in that you recognize that running is really not available to everyone in the same sense and how do you think that resident runners can help with that 
It's a good question. Um, that is a loaded question. <laughs> well, I, I'll, Ray, I'll let you go after this. For, from a simple perspective, yeah. um, I think the problem with running has always been what's presented by the masses, which is typically, hey, here's a bunch of fast white dudes running around in shorts, and this is what running means. And I had that view. Like when I started running, I thought running was dumb. It was always like training or punishment from some previous sport I'd done. And whenever I looked at people who ran, I was like, that doesn't really look cool or fun. Um, so why would I do it? I think we've been really fortunate to see a slow trickling of people doing it their way and putting a new spin on running um, that just by, by virtue of seeing people who look unlike that stereotypical norm of the white male runner, um, I think that in and of itself opens up, you know, it makes it more approachable. It, especially, I think that's what's kind of beautiful about resident runners is when you look at a picture of resident runners, you don't see that stereotype. I mean, I'm, I'm standing there, so you catch me. But in general, as a whole, we represent something different. And I think from a starting point, that's been a very important kind of groundbreaking barrier that we broke through is like, hey, here are groups that look different than what you might think running is. And then you, you get into the normal like barrier of running, which is oftentimes if it's not, you know, more related to an actual barrier, like I don't have shoes to run, which is a real thing, right? Uh, but if it's more related to that personal hesitancy or fear or self-doubt we have because running seems intimidating and we don't know if we can do three miles or four miles or whatever, um, I think we all play a role in encouraging people to realize that running is a progression. Like you can be a runner if you walked a mile that morning. Like that's, it still counts, you know, it's still part of the same thing. And I mean, those are very like uh, safe things to talk about when we, when we talk about like, what are the barriers to running? But I think as a crew ourselves, that's one way that we've started helping, you know, break those barriers. So for me and my background, um, coming from the, the sprinter uh, in high school, I was a sprinter um, and being a sprinter in, and specifically a sprinter in Texas, it was, you know, predominantly black, you know, uh, I had a, I had a white uh, running coach who did cross country and he would always tell me, Hey, you know, it's okay to run, come and run cross country. Uh, I'm like, I just don't like to run long distance. And then a part of it was like, I'm a sprinter. What do I need it for? And the other part of it was, there's nobody that looks like me that's running in these woods and I'm not trying to get lost. Uh, but, you know, when you come to a city like New York, you see the diversity in the running community. It's not just black. It's not just white. It's all different races. It, it's something about that that makes you feel very comfortable. Um, you know, me having a, a best friend who is white, it was it was just normal you know because of the energy that we shared it, it wasn't it wasn't hard nothing was forced like just like our running crew um it i don't i don't know i think um especially things that are going on in in society right now i definitely see uh the 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 way that people um this word I definitely see how there is no diversity, but I also want to encourage more people to just, you know, 
get out and make these connections and have these conversations and listen to podcasts like this so that they can they won't feel uh discouraged about running in their community i mean look i i ended up sorry i'm going on a tangent but like it's coming back around but i ended up moving out to hoboken um with my family um and hoboken for those listeners who who don't know it is predominantly a white area i moved from fort green brooklyn in brooklyn um but it's a predominantly white area and I had this conversation with somebody yesterday at the taco run and they're like, oh, how does it feel to live in Hoboken and running and what's the running scene? I'm like, listen, there is no running scene. Um, I think the where I am in my life right now to hopefully inspire and and the things that which is a whole nother situation, the things that I experienced when I first moved to Hoboken, what I what I'm hoping to do is to run around this city as much as possible to, so that they see me as a black person all the goddamn time. Not just because, not if it's, I'm not running so that white people could see me. I'm running so that, you know, people of color can see me so they can say, oh shit, this dude is like for real, for real. He's running 20 degree weather. He's getting it. So maybe that'll inspire, you know, that kid who I run by, um, I, I was running maybe about a month ago and this kid, he was this group of kids. They were walking and then he had on like Jordans and he jokingly running next to me. I said, Hey man, if you keep up with me, I'll hook you up with some shoes. Keep up with me for a mile. He didn't keep up with me, but at the end of the day, it was the fact that he, he was like, Oh shit, let me do this. Then. Let me, let me, let me try for it. Um, so, you know, you one one mile, right? You could you could have let you know you could have let him hang with you a little bit. Listen, didn't we discuss the pace situation that I had, the issues with that? But um, but no, like I, I think it's truly important. Like one of our mottos when we first started, it was all about get up, get out, get running. It was taken from an outcast, which is our favorite artist. But at the end of the day, it's about getting up, getting out, and just getting running. Like this sport is free. It's like it's not football. It's not basketball. This is, this is probably one of the best sports that, you know, I've ever been a part of. Uh, for me personally, it, 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 it gives me mental clarity. Um, and then the fact that I get a chance to inspire people in this town that there aren't a lot of people that look like me. I don't know. I'm not looking to change the world. You know, I have a child now. I'm just wanting to really put all of my energy into him. But at the end of the day, when I walk outside, I know that there are no, there aren't a lot of people that look like me, but at least if they see me consistently, there's something there that I'm I'm changing some kind of narrative uh, on that day in that moment, and that makes me feel better than how I felt yesterday and tomorrow. So, so Ray, I have a follow up, but it's for Eric as well for both of you, like. Um, cause I was also a soccer player growing up in high school and I ran track a couple of years and it's been a kind of a theme on the podcast where, you know, when we have these discussions, I'm just curious, like what the conversations were like when you were in high school, because if we're talking about changing future generations, we should, you know, remember what it was like when we were growing up. I don't know how old you guys are, but for me, it was like in the nineties, you know, when you were with all your, f um, fellow sprinters, 
who I think you're saying the majority are black, which is kind of the trend in the US or, and then you go to cross country and everyone is white. And I know, cause I was a 400, 800 person. So I see like the, you know, it, it gets a little more white as you go up the distances, the 400, 800 kind of mix. And then yeah, you get to cross country, which I never ran, but it's like, it's, you know, in some places it's, you don't see um, black people running very much. So was any of this on your mind when you guys were in high school, growing up, or middle school even, and did you discuss it with your teammates, with your friends, or was it just something you thought about and realized and thought, oh, this is kind of strange, or, you know, maybe it's bad? I, I don't know. Like, ha- do you remember anything like this? Uh, well, for me, I never discussed long distance running with any of my peers in high school. Uh, it was strictly... I'm trying to make make it to the Texas relays and then maybe go to a relay in Florida. And that was where it stopped. Um, but I did have, I didn't have any, I wish I had discussions with the cross country coach about this um, because I never forget, I ended up going back to Dallas to run the Dallas marathon. And I didn't know he was going to be there, but he saw me cross the finish line, the cross country coach. And he came up to me, he said, where the hell have you been? And how did you get into like running long distances? You didn't, you hated this. And I told him, I said, I met my homie in New York. We started a running crew. And one thing led to another where we uh, just started running because we enjoyed each other's company. And he said, okay, well, whatever it takes. (laughs) It looks like you got there. It looks like you made it. So I don't know, for me, we never, I never had these conversations in high school or elementary. Um, I think it was just one of those things where I was a part of something that I felt like, damn, I'm fast and I was good at. And, and I know it, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, just running these short races made me feel really, really good. And I mean, I know for me, thinking back to, to high school, thanks for dating me because I'm, I'm getting old for sure. Um, it's been a long time, but, you know, I grew up in central Georgia, um, very different environment compared to New York City. Um, and it's, it's interesting when I look back at those times I played soccer, um, you know, I went to a high school that was really diverse. We had an Air Force base in our town. Um, but believe me, I, I saw and heard a lot of terrible shit in Georgia. Like, I, like what we're seeing today in terms of like a landscape and where we are and this sort of feeling that 50% of the country has um, inexplicably horrendous views uh, about a lot of these topics we're discussing, that's not surprising to me um, because I saw it when I was younger. So, so we didn't, but, but when I think about that, like we didn't talk about it really. You know, like that, those, these topics that we're having today, we didn't talk about it on my soccer team. We didn't talk about it in high school. I do think that the friends I had were intentionally chosen because we, we were like-minded. And so those topics, it was almost like we insulated ourselves and like we're able to, to not deal with some of the very blatant and obvious, I think, racism that you see in those types of areas. Um, I wish we had, because I think what was more like what what really woke me up to realizing that where I grew up, there were conversations that needed to be had, you know, 20 plus years ago, 
is seeing people that stayed in Georgia over the last 20 some odd years and then going on Facebook or something and like seeing their vantage points on, on today, it's, it's, it's shocking because I, I went to school with those people and we went two very different paths in terms of how we view the world and how we view people and how we should be interacting. So I wish we'd had conversations. Um, I think back in the day, the only thing that would happen is if somebody said something out of line or somebody, you know, mentioned something that was off color, then they just got checked. But we didn't have conversations around like, hey, why is like the cross country team all white? And like, what does that mean? You know, like what for us as kids seeing that, what does that mean? We didn't get into that. So in speaking about conversations, you both became parents during the pandemic. Also, <laughs> also at a time where like people were literally like in the streets, like protesting about, you know, the lack of like racial justice, equity and inclusion and, you know, the desire for like justice in the, the criminal system, justice system. So how did the conversation about Ahmad Arbery being murdered for running happened between the two of you? Because in the sense that, as you said, Eric, you as a white guy, and I'm just, and I'm just saying that as like the example, like you can run anywhere yeah, and your life is not going to be threatened. Whereas like Raymond, if you, when you lived in Fort Greene, if you decided to go run at midnight, your thought process is different. And then we had Rasan who wrote a letter, a love letter to running saying how he felt as a black man and running in this country. So if you can share how that conversation went about for maybe you, Eric, to see the perspective that you're never gonna feel, but you can you know, hear it from Raymond and then how to then translate that to your own kids. And then right. for Raymond, you just to share you know, what running was like for you when Eric was in there, when you were on your own running. Yeah, um, that was that was scary, obviously, and shocking, and um, I think horrible for everyone. And what's interesting is Ray, Rasan, and I—I don't—I don't think we ever actually had a conversation about it. No, no, you we know? didn't. Like we yeah. we didn't we didn't have a come together to talk about our response or how we felt or how to move forward or what does this mean. Um, maybe we could or should, but I, I think part of why we didn't is because we, we all do have sort of a, an underlying congruency where we feel the same way about these issues. So it was one of those things where I don't think anything needed to be said or spoken in that regard, but we did get to, I think, experience it differently. Obviously, Rasan's letter that he wrote shook me up because I, I don't hear Rasan talk in that manner very often. Rasan you know, presents and is a very strong black man. And to see vulnerability in him gives me chills a bit now was was jarring because that's someone who I love. And that's someone who, like you said, I, I don't experience what he experiences or what Raymond experiences. Um, but now um, having two young boys, they will experience what Ray and Brisson experience. And I think for me, it, it really, you're already become protective and you, you, you develop these weird spider senses when you become a parent just naturally, but it drove home even further how big of a job and a task 
that my wife Naka and I have in raising two strong young black men. And it also was very frightening for me because I am a member of this system that has been, you know, going for hundreds of years. And, and we all are in some form or fashion, we have different roles, but it just really emphasized for me how big of a part I had to play in the larger community. But for me, specifically during the pandemic, 100% of my focus was on my family and our, our kids. Um, and I think I still grapple with how do I, as a father, um, bring these, these kids up in this world today and, you know, uplift their blackness, which is what my wife and I talk about. Like they're, yeah, people ask like, hey, are your kids mixed? And we're like, no, they're black. And, you know, I don't think we need to uplift their whiteness any further. I think we live in a world that will naturally do that no problem. I think what we do need to do is uplift the fact that they are black. That's what we want to, to present and push forward. And that's what we want our boys to be proud of when they get older. Um, and so for me, when all of that was happening, I knew Rasan and Ray were going through this. I knew the world was going through this and every person has their own way of feeling what was happening. Mine in, in, you know, in a lot of ways was, was inherently selfish in that I focused that energy internally in these four walls because um, that's where we were. And, and that's where my, my thoughts, my energy, my love um, went. Um, and I've always kind of been that way. I've been less of a outwardly spoken person, but believe me during that time, while Ray and Rasan and I didn't talk about it, we had uncomfortable conversations with people. You know, like a lot of people talk about doing the work and like what has to happen. And that's a fun phrase, but at the end of the day, like. I've had conversations with people I know, family members, friends, and, you know, for me, as long as I'm doing that and I'm doing that work to broaden people's perspectives, I think that was the best response I could have at the time. Um, Cause I wasn't out and about and I wasn't doing any of the protesting in the streets. Um, but I also wasn't getting more than like an hour of sleep with twin boys at that age. So, sorry, that was really long winded. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we love it. No, we that was love incredible. It. Yeah. So, how about for you, Raymond? Um. So, you know, I, I guess after you know reading Rasan's uh, letter to running, um, you know, it definitely hit home. It was a lot of things that I already knew and already went through myself, and, and being black, and um, you know, being nervous to run outside. Uh, I think um, I think it's a touchy subject, right? It's uh, you know being in a relationship. So I'll start off. I made I'm I made the choice to be in a relationship and have a partner who is white, and and we birthed this incredible child, um, and incredible son, a, a man, right? Um, this is this was my choice and me uh going through that time it 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 hurt because i am from the south um and a lot of my parents or a lot of my family grew up in mississippi um a lot of conversations that i had with my partner uh was it was about you know how we're going to raise 
you know, you know, what conversations are we going to have with Elliot and um, what is he going to know? I said, he's going to know everything. He has to, you know, my great grandfather who, you know, I grew up knowing, I actually touched, he was sharecropper who got ran out of Mississippi because he was in a relationship with a white woman, right? Like, I knew him. And a lot of people nowadays don't understand how, how close we are to slavery. Like, they don't get it. And that was the most frustrating part. So there was a moment where all these things were going on right after Ahmaud Arbery. And Brittany, my partner, was so scared for me running outside. And I mean, I just wanted to get these miles in at night. There was one time when I was running and she heard police sirens and she called me middle run. She's just like, I just want to make sure you're cool. I just want to make sure everything is all right. Um, because I'm nervous for you right now. Um, and it really hit home. Um, like Eric said, we did, we, all three of us, we didn't have conversations with each other, but we knew, we knew that, you know, we don't stand for that. We don't stand for any of that. Um, and that's why I love these three guys. You know, I love our relationship that we have, that we, our understanding that we have with each other. Um, my best friend is white, <laughs> Eric. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just way too much hatred, right? It's just, it's just way too much hatred and it reached the level of like people just aren't going to stand it anymore you know um so you know the fact that we all had to go through that and then you have people in your lives and you and you you start to look at those people in your lives who are like your friends and your partner and you're like listen i've been going through this all my life and now people are starting to understand that, you know, it's a problem, but it's always been a problem. And to have them stand by you, uh, it meant the world. So from my perspective, um, I'm just blessed to have, uh, have, have Eric in my life to, to stand by me and, and go through it. Uh, with me so you know and hold me accountable for many other things <laughs> but anyway sorry just uh but yeah was, my, my was goal is to <laughs> right i just want to tell you man i want to stop you um yeah i love you so much man and um you know you know i and and my family and we are always here for you um, that's it, man. I love you so much. Appreciate it. Um, like we need, you know, going further, like one thing that Rasan told me, I'll never forget. He told me a while ago and he said, uh, when he had, before he had his first child, he said, uh, especially as men, but especially as black men, we don't have conversations with each other 
we don't do enough of having conversations and just talking to each other about fatherhood. And now I understand what he meant. Um, you know, I, I still don't. And I, you know, I, at times I got to apologize to, I have to apologize to Eric and Rasan. Like, you know, I don't open up enough and I do need to do more of that. Um, because other fathers need to see that in order for um, our sons, our kids to go forward and change the narrative and just be more, if we were more open with each other, this whole world would be way more different. And I, and I hope and I pray one day that it will be. Um, it's going to take some time, obviously. Look how long it took for you know, this kind of change to happen. But, you know, I want to do make sure that me uh, and the people who I'm around, my family, Eric, Rasan, I hope that we can kind of create that change and do whatever it takes. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's really, that's really all I have. Sorry to <laughs> bring it down a little bit, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it's just super important that, you know, I know this is, we, we talk about, we're talking about running, this is a running podcast, but it's super important to have those people around you on a daily basis and communicate with those people around you and, you know, treat them, treat them like family. They are family. They're there for you and don't, and you should never forget it. Whether it's, whether it's racism, whether it's mental healthness, 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 um, they're there for you. Ray, I just want to thank you for that um, very deep, deep thought. And I think that, yes, Let's Get Uncomfortable is a podcast that did center around running. But I also feel that when we run, we only know the surface of each other as we get to have these conversations. But I think sometimes people want to know more about us, right? Um, Resident Runners has a great platform and people know who you guys just based on what they see on social media and you know quick conversations at Taco Runs or the Thursday Night Runs but this podcast can give people more insight on who you are as individuals and you are as a family so I would say thank you very much for sharing that and I want to talk about how Res Runners is very well known but um, during the pandemic, we saw a lot of social issues arise. So um, how do you guys think that you approached you know, these social issues on social media and as an individual or as a group? I, I'll, I'll let Eric take that, but I, I'll, I'll start by saying like, I think it's, in, you know, Eric has this in incredible, incredible ability to, um, to, to just, you know, he has this incredible ability and, and way about him and having the, starting the conversation and saying like, Hey guys, you know, I, you know, I think we should say something, um, let's come together and, and figure that out. But he's always had that ability to make sure that we keep it very organic because I, and he also, I remember him saying like, you know, it's, it's important for us to say something, but it's also important for a lot for everybody else to feel how they feel. And 
And I think sometimes social media has a tendency to sway people's feelings and emotions. And I, I'm not sure if Eric will agree with me when I say this, but like, we're not in the business of doing that. Like we want to, if we're going to say what we say, we say it, um, but we're not here to sway how you feel about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky, right? I think we all have, you know, today, almost everyone has an Instagram account. We all have some sort of platform, how big or how small. And when, you know, when it came to resident runners, I think we wanted to at least make it clear where we stood in it from a general perspective. Um, you know, these things are nuanced, they're complicated. Um, if you get into the nitty gritty of it, but that's one of the reasons that from a social media perspective, I don't like being as vocal because I think all of that gets very muddled and it gives people these, these abilities to like weasel out of accountability. Um, because for me, I have, I, I get, I get passionate talking about this stuff. My wife can attest to that. It affects me, uh, emotionally very deeply. And part of that is because while you can make the argument that a lot of what we're going through today is very nuanced, complicated, it's certainly very historical. You know, there's a, there's a, there are reasons we are where we are. And while that's all true and it's important for us to know the history, it really is. For me on a day-to-day -day basis, I, I take a much more simple approach and it's, it's simply to treat people well. And it, to me, this isn't that hard. Like I understand um, why this is problematic and, and it, it almost like it, it gets me angry and upset to talk to people who try to rationalize the irrational, who try to explain these views when at the end of the day, it's very clear to me um, what's happening. And so to put that out on social media is not something I've ever really done on a personal level, like on my account. Uh, and from a resident runner's perspective, I think we just made the decision to, to, you know, put forward our stance. And then if anyone had questions or doubted where we stood on something, you know, we would certainly be open to those, those conversations. Um, but, you know, I, I was, I was really proud of a lot of people that were far more vocal, far more active running crews, you know, as a, as a brand or entity, as well as individuals that really led the charge during that time, um, and are still doing so today, you know, this is ongoing. Um, so I, you know, I, I feel happy to be a part of a community that really stood up and, you know, resident runners did what, what I view from a social media or an online perspective is a very small part of that. Um, but yeah, that was, that was our, our approach. Again, I think, I think things like this change on a personal level. I think they, they happen face to face. They happen when people develop empathy that they didn't have before. And I think it's a hard thing to, to generate through social media. Um, I think it's great. I think it's important that we all show support online like that is necessary silence is not a good thing but at the end of the day for me i hope that my personal interactions with people are what's going to actually you know force change and help people to alter their what is oftentimes emotional response to a lot of these topics um, yeah i don't know if any of that made any sense but <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say that um yeah there's been like the I guess like social media could be like 
a double-edged sword where like you said you said like I'm an ally and I'm doing all those things but then do we really know what's happening behind closed doors are you having those conversations mm-hmm. it's gonna be this way you know what I mean so like I guess in a sense it's like Social, social media could also be performative and like not really lead to conversations. They're like, no, we've done enough. Now we could just get back to this, which I'm glad that you you guys then decided to support Run to Vote for 2020. Was that also like a conscious decision? Like we understand the time that we are in. This is something that is important, especially like we said, like the two of you became parents to black children during this time. Why was that important? support run to vote and rasan had another daughter as well yeah i mean like so rasan's um he's a girl dad over there he's got two daughters now um i mean the run to vote thing it's it's obvious that that there's not a single solution or or avenue to affect change in the current world we're living in so you know while having conversations with people is important um at the end of the day we need to vote more you know um, politicians that are in line with the change we need and it, it, that simply happens by voting our voting system is fucked it's completely skewed like there, you know it's it's not a perfect way to to enact change but again it has to be done and we have to work within the the confines of a system that we have in place now um, so yeah that was again there are certain moments I think through resident runners history where we felt um, simply making that statement was enough um and that's what we did there you know and and again i maybe i'm a pessimist when it comes to our impact i i don't know i don't know if i um give enough credit for the potential impact we could have as resident runners but i hope that that at least had some form of impact and and again that was our statement of where we are and what we believe in and then take it take it how you will i think this is our approach yeah, I don't. I don't really have too much to add to that. I agree with Eric. <laughs> just vote. I, uh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just vote. I don't. I don't know. I'm very. The whole system is wild. So I. I don't. Here's the thing. I. Don't want to speak too much on it, and I don't like to speak too much on anything that I don't have enough knowledge about. I'm still learning. You know what I'm saying? I'm still, and I think that's what we all are doing. Um, I think that that's one of the issues when it comes to social media, where a lot of people don't have all of the information, but they just put out what they want to. And it's difficult, you know what I'm saying? It's so sometimes it's better to stay silent and then also figure out, like, learn about it. Don't stay silent forever. Learn, figure out what are the issues especially what are the issues in your community because a lot of the issues that are in your community aren't the same issues that are in other people's community um so and then also for me i i can go online and i can post about something but my biggest impact i feel that i could have is in this community that i currently live in like i'm i I got to be present within this community that I currently live in. So if I can, you know, run and touch a kid on the street and empower a kid or inspire a kid that's on the street, that's more impactful to me than whatever I post on Instagram or social media, period. 
Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a it's a I don't know it's a double edged sword when it comes to social media. You know, you damned if you do, you damned if you don't. But we, as resident runners in our crew, we have nothing but good intentions. Period. Like we just, it's all love. It is legit all love on our end. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that uh, the impact that you guys can have. And I remember seeing you guys on the cover of Runner's Roll, September 2017. And as we talk about representation, and even you said, Raymond, you know, this Black kid saw you in Hoboken and running, and you want to be that person that shows them hey, you look like me, you could also run. So I thought it was very impactful because whenever you have a person of color on the cover of Runner's World is either a celebrity or an athlete. But if it's like a white person, it could be like, it's just like the average joke, just like the latest like model. So if you can tell us like, how did that cover come about and how did you feel like knowing, were you aware of that, how impactful that was going to be to have like, not to like make it seem as if like Eric is not important, but you know, to see this two black men on the cover of a magazine for Runner's World that doesn't always, maybe they've, they've been better at it now, but again, the image that we often see in Runner's is a fast white guy. So how did that, the cover come about and how did you feel about when it happened? So I'll start by saying, like, listen, first black guy on the cover without a shirt. Can I give a props on that? That's no, I'm just that's that's, that's... <laughs> and and you know what, Rasan and I will take partial credit for that because I believe we forced you to take your shirt off. We told we told the photographer <laughs> to let you take your shirt off. So um, we so we definitely had a hand in that. Um, yeah, I, I for, for me to be very honest, the cover. I was so proud to be included in that moment. Um, I, I felt very humbled and I, I was very aware that my role in that cover was very small. Um, that was a, a much bigger meaning and I was, I was very lucky to be a part of that. Um, I couldn't have been more proud. Like I knew what that meant and I, and I knew what that would be seen as and um, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, it felt like a huge step. At the same time, like, how did the, how the fuck did we end up on the cover of, Res- of uh, Runner's World? Like, that's that's nuts. So it wasn't. We didn't push for anything. We didn't we didn't reach out. We didn't do anything. We were contacted. Hey, we're writing a story. We'd love to have you guys featured. We were like, dope. Sounds cool. Went to do a photo shoot. Awesome. And then like two weeks later, um, got hit up. Like, hey, did you see this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And Bam, when you see that image, it's uh it was powerful for sure. I'll uh I I'll be honest, I've never read uh Runner's World in my life <laughs> before that. Like I I I'm gonna be honest. I, I didn't I didn't know how impactful it was, and I think um I guess that in a way that made it more humbling to me because you know I the most of the people who were hitting me up were my family, like my mom. My mom's like, "Oh, congratulations, you're on the cover." I'm like, "That's a big deal. That's that's huge." And and the more and more 
I thought about it. I'm like, well, this this could definitely inspire um, other black runners. But at the beginning, I never, like I said, I never read a runner's world in my life. And I and I also think that that's something um, as a as a as a runner in this running community, because a lot of those things those things will go to people's heads very very fast. And uh, for us, it was just a wow moment and we still maintain who we were and but we also understood what kind of impact it could bring for the future um and how running and diversity uh coincide within this community um so like eric said we weren't anticipating it we didn't know it was going to happen to be honest with you i think they didn't even tell us it was going to be on the front cover. We, they were just like, oh, this is a story. It's going to be, right. you know, in the magazine. And then, boom, front cover. Like, yeah, so we were, I don't, I don't know what happened behind closed doors of, like, decision-making and w when and why they chose to use that image. Um, but I know if you go flip back through all the covers from Runner's World over the last 10 years, that's one of, like, three. You know, like, that's... Yeah. That's big. Um, you can see it if you just go do a comparison. So, yeah. Again, I was I was so proud to be a, a part of that with these guys. Yeah. Just, and then and then also like right after that, I'll say this: right after that, um, Under Armour did a. They came out with the, a new technology called the Hover, and that particular technology, they decided to do a a global tour. Um, and then they had asked me to go on a global tour. And I think in that moment, when I went on that global tour, I understood the impact that, you know, diversity and what diversity and running meant. And, you know, also to, 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 to have a brand that young, be able to go out and take a chance like that, um, is, it was a huge, was a huge deal. Uh, I mean, we're talking about what, uh, what was it eight cities? Uh, I'm not sure, but it was just an incredible moment to be out there, go to Berlin, to go to Shanghai, go to London, and connect with all these other running crews that are starting to just now starting to get more and more diverse and have those conversations with them. Um, was just super super impactful and you know all of this came you know simply from like the 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 runner's world cover and then them checking our social media out uh it was just it was a great it was great it was fun we're in 2021 right and there is a thing called the new york city marathons coming up any of you two in it this year I don't know, man. Um, yeah, we, we got word that it was happening and we've got some planning and, and discussions to do. You know, we, we put resident runners on pause like completely when the pandemic hit. So this taco run a couple of days ago was, um, or yesterday was our first time back in what, 16 months. So we got to figure out what's going on. Um, are we going to, you know, do an after party? What does that look like? Is it safe to do it? That's always been our thing is like the reason we shut down over the pandemic is because until it felt responsible and safe to do anything that we just weren't gonna we weren't gonna bring people together it feels like we're, we're there and it's possible but you know obviously we're gonna keep an eye on things and see how it goes 
Um, as for running it, sh- I don't know, man. I- I'm kind of open to it, but at the same time, I've gotten comfortable. I've never been a big race person. It's not been high on my priority list. I'd like to just run. Um, so who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll be out there running it. I do. I have imagined like it'd be amazing to run it and have my wife Nika and the boys and get to like stop and give them a hug and a kiss and be like, oh shit, like with my, that would be a beautiful moment. So I think that's really the only, that one moment, which what would last 30 seconds, that's kind of making me want to run it. Um, well, I need, I need, that, I, I need running people. Come on. I, I need my <laughs> Thursday night tempos back so you can get me <laughs> back in shape. Yeah, we're, we're, we're thinking about the Thursdays too. Yeah, Thursdays is like, we, we just have so much on our plates now with kids. It's like, it's hard to even think about committing one night a week, which isn't a lot, but that just feels like a lot at this point. So who knows, maybe we'll start back with like one Thursday a month. And then we'll like, I don't know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Follow us on Instagram. If you want to know the details, of course. I know Inez needs a t-shirt. Oh, for the, for the after party t-shirt. Yeah. I was like, my after party t-shirts out there. Wait, 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 no. Speaking of, uh, um, the party that you guys throw is legendary. People know. Thank you. Thank you. You're you're in New York city and you ran a marathon. The party that you go to is resident runners because you never know who the artist is going to be. You never know what the t-shirt is going to be. And I'm mad that for 2019, I didn't get there in time because the t-shirt was tacos ruin running. Oh my God. I should have worn my shirt for the podcast because that's the shirt that I wear all the time. So a couple of topics in there. So first, how did the party become the party to go? How do you get the guests and the fact that you keep it secret and the tacos ruin running t-shirt? Tell us about that story. I'll let Eric answer that because your boy over here gets super excited. I, y'all probably would have known if I knew too. So Eric usually knows and doesn't say anything to anybody. Um, yeah, that's a, there, there's a lot in that question, actually. Um, so yeah, the, the t-shirt from 2019 was, was pretty... Uh, was pretty hilarious. That was a, a legendary t-shirt. Shout out to Joe at Orchard Street Runners for the inspiration and literal design of that t-shirt. Um, that was a, a screenshot. Um, it's all love though. Like I think that was a funny moment just in like in, in social media where like someone posts something and I think you could probably take that post multiple different ways, you know. Um, and we took it our way. <laughs> we made a t-shirt out of it. Um, it's really as simple as that, and uh, it was funny. I think when we when we made that shirt, like Joe commented on it and just kind of like laughed and clapped, like you know, well played. It's it's a it's just a funny moment, and I I, I think it really is awesome to look back on that. Um, and I hope we get the chance to do another T-shirt that kind of like has some sort of resonance within the community. But um, as for the party, we started like doing a party 2013 or 14 Upper West Side. Back then, it was probably like 30 people would show up. It was kind of like the the Black Roses scene, and like the you know we have a lot of homies that ran with Black Roses would come out, and um, it was really small. It was just like a small little thing. Nobody was really doing a formal party in New York, so we just kind of like put a little something together, and it grew slowly. And then honestly, I think Under Armour really helped us elevate it. 
just by giving us a bit more support from a you know planning and financial perspective to put something together. They're they're solely our partners in terms of bringing in an artist. Rasan works with them closely on that, and um, you know they've been they've been gracious enough to help us leverage some of their relationships in the music industry and and bring some some pretty epic performances out. Um, I want to say you know rest in peace to DMX. I was really bummed that you never know DMX might have popped up. Um, so I, I think that was really a really sad moment outside of that and also i was hoping we could have had you know, one of these nathan i need to I, I need to set the scene for you as how packed the bar gets because it's like you go upstairs and you could feel the heat the humidity in the air people are packed like sardines and nobody's moving because you want to be close to the stage to whoever is going to show up and i remember the year yeah. that uh, we were in the background or whatever, and you hear somebody on the mic, and you're like, is that Method Man? And I remember everybody rushing to the front. And like, mind you, like, we have been on our feet maybe like 12 hours, people who ran, people who cheered, and you don't want to miss that party. So congrats <laughs> to you guys. Like, you don't want to miss that party. And then Thank you. Knowing that Thank I missed it like Thank last you. year, I was I was standing outside because the bar was packed and we could hear Buster Rhymes and we were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was go ahead, good. This is a prime example of like how Resident Runners operates as well, in the sense that we knew for a couple of years that like we should get a bigger venue. <laughs> like we were not oblivious to that fact, but we just didn't want to do it. Like we liked how how crazy it was. We liked that it was so intimate and people were in there. And um, yeah, same same reason we still do taco runs at a, a, a restaurant, Guerrero's Brooklyn, that can hold like 20 people. It's just like, we don't change it because that's how it started. And we started it that way for a reason. So uh, who knows in the future, maybe we'll have a little more space so that so that you're not feeling Buster Rhymes spit on you as, as he uh, performs. But. And as if you had any idea how big of a Method Man and Buster Rhymes fan I am, you would know not to make me so angry as to say I missed something like that. I will, However, never, forget, I will never forget Method Man coming out. That was the best surprise. Oh, man. Listen, we really appreciate everybody who rocks out with us and even people who, are, who can't get in, even people who can't get a T-shirt. Um, that is so much love, man. That's like beyond us. Three dudes just, you know, just running around. I'll let Eric finish the rest. But just three dudes running around and just in, enjoying every moment um, of each other's company, but also people who come out and, and support us. And we just appreciate everybody who comes out to our events. Um, it means the world. It means a lot. Yeah. This is our pitch to be uh, VIP for the, the 2021 party. <laughs> noted, noted. We'll, uh, we'll keep that on the list. Top, top priority. Don't worry. Don't worry. And a shirt for you. You got to get you a shirt. Live, po live podcast from the, from the after party. You know, exactly. <laughs> we will do it. We will do it. That's totally fine. Um, so now we're going to move on to the last segment of the uh, podcast, which we call the hot mic. And this is where you basically, you have your platform to leave your last message for our listeners. Uh, it's timed. And I think Nathan, 
tell them how long it's going to be. Two minutes. Each person, you got the stopwatch right here. Old school track stopwatch, as you can see. And you don't have to stick to two minutes. Do what you want. Yeah, I've yet to see. The norm has been people going longer when they're like, it's just me. So I'm going to fill that time. And we're happy with that. The way we do it is, since it's the two of you, we usually go by whoever has like the earliest birthday. But today we're going to do whoever's whoever has the later birthday. And then you'll go first and put the pressure on the other person. But you guys are best friends. And Raymond, you're used to like Eric throwing you under the bus. So you guys get to decide who goes first and who will go last. I mean, I have the latest birthday for my birthday is December 26th. So I think I'm screwed. <laughs> I'll, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll let you go. And this can be just anything, right? Like this can be. All right. I'm gonna use this two minutes to uh, to shout out my beautiful wife, Neka, um, our beautiful sons that we're raising. I have to admit that you know we live in a world where there's a ton of global change that needs to happen. Um, I credit my wife with over the last 12 years helping me learn that that change happens at home. Um, we're not going to see things improve if we're not working on ourselves, changing the things we've learned from our parents um, and trying to be better partners, whether that's in a friendship, a romantic relationship at home, as a dad. Um, you see on social media, people show you the highlights and we see all the beautiful things and then we see all the, the negative as well but at home everyone is doing a lot of work and and i take a lot of pride in the growth that i've had with my wife and with our kids um i i think i wouldn't be the man i am today and resident runners wouldn't embody what we embody if i didn't have people like naka in my life and i encourage everyone to when you find someone that you love and that is worth your time, energy, and gives that back to you. When they reciprocate the love that you share, um, cherish that, like hold on to it and put your energy into improving that. Put your energy into making that person feel whole. And if we all did that for someone else, like if everyone took that, that route and like poured their energy into making someone else's life whole and loved, um, like Ray said, I think those things can change the world. Um, and you're not gonna see that. You're not gonna see it on Instagram. You're not gonna see it um, anywhere. But like, don't forget that while it's important to have these big stances and to like stake our claim about who we are and what we do, um, put that time in at home and invest in the people that you love. And I, I am a testament that your life will be so much more fulfilled um, and it will give you the strength to endure during these insane times when it feels like there's not a lot of positivity in the world. Um, hold on to what you got. I'm gonna stop rambling. I love my wife. I love my twin boys, Atlas Mackay. Um, thanks for letting me have close to two minutes to just talk about how much I love them. <laughs> We're not gonna tell you how long you did. We're just gonna like compare at the end. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was uh. That was, uh, you know, follow up is yeah. That's a strong follow up. 
Um, touching on some points that Eric said, I think I'll use this time touch on, you know, investing in relationships uh, and those right relationships um, and using this last two minutes to also talk about my partner um, and my child, Elliot, um, and being blessed to have uh, them in my life and, and being blessed to make that choice to continue to uh, continue on this journey with them. Um, and I'm also extremely blessed to have Eric and Rasan in my life. I know that part of these two, part of this two minutes, I'm definitely going to shout out to our buddy Rasan out there uh, who couldn't be on here. Uh, but he makes such a huge uh, impact on mine and Eric's life uh, as friends. And I'm so happy to be in, <clears throat> have a friendship in, in them. Um, one of the things that, that stands out for me, just in general in society is that we don't do enough of, uh, we don't do enough of enjoying the time, right? We, you, you can always get everything else, but you can't get time back. You can always get money, but you can't get time back. So my, my, one of my mottos is to make sure you spend the right amount of time with the, with the people you love, spend the right amount of time with uh, those you cherish and make sure that it's wholesome and have fun while doing it. Um, I don't know, it, it, it's so much. I think, you know, I had my crying session already uh, and I appreciate you guys for, you know, uh, uh, understanding that, you know, these are some, these are some emotional moments that, you know, we as runners go through, we as fathers go through, um, you know, I, there was, a, there was, there was, there are frustrations that we go through as, as fathers. And sometimes it's, it's, it's stressful, but when you look in that child's eyes, you see the greatness like going through covid and staying at home like i i'm literally i can you can i'm literally a stay-at-home father and i love it <laughs> i love it i enjoy every moment of it it could be frustrating at times but this is this is what i do and i enjoy it man and people need to hear these stories these kind of stories and um you know, like Eric, um, I just, I, I cherish every moment of, uh, that I have with my partner, with my, with my son. Um, because like I said, all we have in this world is time. We don't have, we can't get anything else. You know, we can't get time back. We can get everything else, but we can't get, you can't get time back. So just use it wisely. It's super important. It's, it's, it's extremely important. And then find find some good friends, man. Eric yeah. Rasan, they solid as hell. Like, <laughs> I'm, I listen. Yeah, I I don't need nobody else. These are my homies. <laughs> also, I want to jump in on Ray's on Ray's hot mic and just say, like, as much as as much as I love my wife, I love my kids. They are amazing. 
public service announcement, don't have kids. Don't do it. It's crazy. It's challenging. <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> but I love it. I want to thank you guys for coming on. Um, Raymond Hales, Eric Levins, co-founders of uh, Resident Runners, along with Rasan Rogers. Um, it's been a really wonderful episode. Touched on a lot of things with a lot of depth and texture and nuance. Um, and we look forward to you know following you in the future and seeing all the great stuff you'll do. I want to thank my co-hosts Inez and Jamie. Inez is also our producer, our editor, our booking agent. Um, so without her, none of this would happen. But the last person we have is our listener. All our listeners, thank you so much. And if you're still around, know that we appreciate you. And we will talk to you next time on the next episode of Let's Get Uncomfortable. Thanks for listening to Let's Get Uncomfortable. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us on the App Store and follow us on Spotify.